welcome to Corkboard Radio. In today's episode, I will be reading Radio Station Silence Part 2, an Angela Donovan mystery. This story was a lot of fun and a bit challenging to edit this time around, as I never split a story in two before. I wanted to make sure the story was easy to follow and the interest points semi-obvious. As in any mystery story, it's important to hide clues along the way that the reader or listener will be able to identify. I wanted my clues to be hidden, but not too hard to discover. My first version of this story didn't really have any clues, which meant I had to plant them along the way when I was editing. I also added more details about my characters and more dialogue. I hope you enjoyed the conclusion to my first Angela Donovan mystery. I definitely had fun preparing it for you. Happy listening, everyone! Radio Station Silence, Part 2, An Angela Donovan Mystery by Tiffany Pullman Red-haired Angela Donovan pulled into the parking lot belonging to her local newspaper, the Maple Springs Gazette, and parked her car. She was on a mission to speak with her daughter Drew, a newspaper reporter, about the whereabouts of the local radio station's missing intern. Earlier that day, Beatrice, Angela's dearest friend, had discovered the Maple Springs radio station manager slumped over his desk in a state of no return. While waiting to give her statement, Beatrice had overheard the police mention that they were looking for the radio station intern in connection to the incident. When Beatrice revealed this tiny morsel of a clue to Angela, Angela had decided to take it upon herself to locate the missing intern. Beatrice had begrudgingly responded to Angela's decision by suggesting that Angela speak to Drew, since Drew had a much better handle on where young people in Maple Springs like to hide out these days. Angela knew that Drew, even though it was a Saturday, would be at her desk researching for her next article until at least four o'clock that afternoon, which meant they had plenty of time to catch her in her office before she left for the day. Finding the front door unlocked, Angela let herself and Beatrice inside the spacious building. The Maple Springs Gazette had been bought out a few years earlier by a bigger newspaper that had remodeled the place before losing interest and selling it back to a bunch of Maple Springs citizens, including Drew. The Gazette was now run by Mr. Fernan, a retired high school English teacher. He was a good boss to Drew, which Angela appreciated. He made sure Drew knew how important her work was to the local paper when she'd been approached with the job title of assistant editor at a more competitive newspaper in a larger city nearby. Drew had opted to stay in Maple Springs, at least for the time being, where she knew her words would count on a more personal level. She still wrote important articles that kept Maple Springs on the map. She just didn't do it in the hustle and bustle of the big city anymore. Angela headed straight for Drew's office. She knew Drew would most likely be buried in information and not aware that the office was now empty except for her. Drew... Angela pushed open Drew's office door quietly. As she predicted, her daughter sat at her desk with a pile of papers to one side, a pen in her mouth, and her eyes squinting at the bright screen in front of her. Drew! Angela exclaimed. How long have you been looking at that thing? Drew, startled, glanced at her mother, the, the pen dropping to her lap. Mom? Aunt B? What are you two doing here? Did you hear about what happened at the radio station? Angela questioned. Uh, Drew gave Angela a quizzical brow. I don't think so. The station manager, Howard Milton, is no longer with us, Angela told her daughter. Wait, what? Drew picked up her smartphone, unlocked it, and opened her text message app. Her eyes widened in surprise. I turned the volume down on my notifications so I could concentrate on my article. You wouldn't believe how many times they kept going off. Drew continued to scan her messages, although now I can see why. Suddenly, Drew looked up from her smartphone, her eyes wide. Aunt B, it says here that you found Mr. Milton. Yes, 
this morning, Beatrice confirmed soberly. Oh, Aunt B, Drew went to Beatrice, her arms outstretched. That must have been awful for you. Drew hugged Beatrice tightly while Beatrice sniffled. What happened? That's what we're trying to figure out, Angela piped up. Drew glanced in her mother's direction, a smile tugging at her lips. Mom, are you sleuthing again? Angela didn't respond. However, Beatrice snorted loudly. Drew laughed. I bet Mackie isn't overly happy about that. Your brother will be fine. Angela shooed her daughter's comment out of the room. So what brings you two here? Drew curiously tilted her head to the side. Well, Angela responded, B overheard some officers discussing a radio station intern who's gone missing. We thought you might have an idea of where the local kids like to head out. Drew grinned. I've grown out of that crowd just a little, Mom. But did you say the radio station's intern's missing? Beatrice nodded her head. I know her. Her name's Hetty Cabot. She applied to be an intern here at the same time she applied to be an intern at the radio station. She's majoring in journalism. She actually interviewed me once for a school project. She seemed like a nice girl. She can get a little hot-headed at times, though, when things aren't going her way. Drew leaned back in her office chair. How do you mean? Angela questioned. Well, she got pretty angry the day Mr. Fernan told her that she hadn't been selected for the internship program here. Mr. Fernan was looking for a fourth-year student, and Hetty's only in her junior year. So she got upset? Angela queried. Yes, Drew replied. She threatened to throw her laptop at Mr. Fernan's head when he broke the news. A laptop? Beatrice exclaimed. Mm-hmm. Drew bit the end of her pen before noticing a look of displeasure on Angela's face. Drew withdrew the pen from her mouth and set it on her desk. I wouldn't have believed the story if I hadn't been in Mr. Fernan's office when it happened. Wow, Beatrice commented. Sounds like she's got quite the temper. Angela and Beatrice locked eyes with each other. You don't think, Beatrice spoke slowly. Angela glanced at Drew. What do you think, Drew? Drew reached for her pen again. I don't know. I mean, there's a pretty big difference between throwing a laptop at someone and... Drew didn't finish her sentence. Angela paused for a minute before replying. I guess it really is a good idea that we find Miss Hetty Cabot. Drew snickered. You know, Daisy offers art classes for young people. She may have overheard her students talking about popular hideouts. That's an idea, Angela said, giving her oldest daughter a peck on the cheek. I'll go ask her. See you later, sunshine. Love you, Mom, Drew smiled. Love you, too. And Drew, Angela turned to face her daughter, make sure you get something to eat before midnight. Yes, Mom. Drew picked up her smartphone. I'll order in something right now. That's my girl. See you in church tomorrow? Angela waited for an answer. Yep, bright and early. Drew replied before giving her order over the phone. Angela and Beatrice carefully made it back to Angela's car without slipping too much on the icy pavement. Let me guess, Beatrice said dryly, once they were again seated in Angela's car. We're heading over to Daisy's, aren't we? Yes, we are, Angela sang out much to Beatrice's chagrin. Everly Rose, Angela's seven-year-old granddaughter, greeted Angela inside her mother's in-town art studio with a mile-a-minute retelling of the day's events thus far. After about five minutes of non-stop talking, Everly Rose took in a deep breath before whispering, But that's not the best part. What's the best part? asked Angela, in a voice reflective of such a secret. There's a lady hiding in the storage room, giggled Everly Rose. Angela glanced at Beatrice. Come on, I'll show you. Everly Rose grasped Angela's hand and quietly led her to the back of the studio. Reaching the closed door, Everly Rose twisted the doorknob and pushed the door open slowly. 
a young woman, about 20 years old, with espresso-colored hair that curled crazily around her face, tried to duck behind a pile of storage boxes. The storage boxes did not cooperate, however, and majestically tumbled to the floor, resulting in quite the tumultuous mess. Everly Rose, what do you think you're doing? Daisy appeared behind Angela, Beatrice, and Everly Rose. I was showing Grandma the lady. Everly Rose bit her lip. Oh, Everly, Daisy sighed. I never keep secrets from Grandma, Everly Rose spoke, her voice quivering. It's all right, Everly. Daisy held her hand out to her daughter, drawing her close. Don't worry. Don't worry, Hetty. My mother isn't here to hurt you. Daisy spoke reassuringly to the young woman. Daisy, Angela exclaimed, why on earth are you helping this young woman hide from the police? The police? Daisy repeated, surprised. Mom, I am not helping Hetty hide from the police. Daisy, at this very minute, the police are considering Hetty a missing person. Angela emphasized her last three words. A missing person? Daisy shook her head. Hetty's not a missing person, Mom. She just needs a safe place to hide out for a bit. A safe place to hide out from whom? Beatrice suspiciously interjected. My boss's girlfriend, Hetty chimed in. I work at the radio station, and Howard Milton's girlfriend, Rhonda, accused me in front of everyone in the office yesterday of being in love with Howard. Hetty made a face. Ew! Everly Rose covered her ears with her hands, letting everyone know that she was still within earshot of the conversation. Being in love makes people kiss on the lips. Angela and Beatrice chuckled, as Daisy suggested. Everly Rose, why don't you go get that picture you colored for Grandma? The one you colored this morning? Okay! Everly Rose cheered, taking off down the hall. So, Howard's girlfriend thinks you're in love with Howard? queried Angela. Yes, Hetty frowned. Why would she think that? Angela prodded. How am I supposed to know? Hetty exploded. All I did was get him his coffee every time he asked me, which was a lot. Angela studied Hetty for a minute, contemplating whether or not she believed Hetty was capable of doing something drastic. Tell me, Hetty, what is your opinion of Howard? Hetty's face relaxed a bit. He is all right. He doesn't really order me around that much, except to get him his coffee. So not a love interest? Angela probed. Hetty narrowed her eyes at Angela. Absolutely not. Mom, how did you find out that the police are looking for Hetty? Daisy inquired suddenly. Beatrice told me, Angela answered. Aunt B. Daisy focused her questioning eyes on Beatrice. Beatrice lowered her eyes sadly. Did something happen? Daisy took a step toward Beatrice, placing a comforting hand on Beatrice's arm. Beatrice found Howard at the radio station this morning, Angela informed Daisy. Found Howard, Daisy gasped. You don't mean... Angela grimly nodded her head, causing Hetty to shriek, No! Oh my, Daisy offered Beatrice a hug, while Angela tried to steady Hetty, who had gone into a fit of hysterics. I bet it was Rhonda. Howard finally told her he wasn't going to marry her, and she decided that if he wasn't going to marry her, he wasn't going to marry anybody. Daisy, Beatrice, and Angela exchanged curious looks. Did Howard tell you he was going to tell Rhonda he wasn't going to marry her? Beatrice inquired. Howard told me a lot of things, Hetty answered haughtily. Did he ever tell you if he was in any sort of trouble? Angela questioned. Hetty's eyes flashed, no, but Rhonda's been waiting for an engagement ring for three years. She's been getting desperate. Hmm, said Beatrice. I think it's time we take you to the police station. Angela declared. The police station? Hetty stumbled backward. Yes, it is, agreed Beatrice. But I don't want to go to the police station, Hetty protested. That's too bad, honey. 
Beatrice remarked, because you're going anyway. Hetty's eyes filled with tears as she pleaded with Daisy, Please don't make me go with them. Hetty, don't you think it would be wise to tell the police that you're all right? Daisy gently encouraged. Tell the police I'm all right, Hetty shrieked. How can I possibly be all right? Rhonda will be coming after me next. How am I supposed to believe that I'll make it to the police station in one piece? Have you looked at your mom and aunt? They're senior citizens. All right, Missy, Beatrice growled. You just crossed the line. Go get your coat. You're going to the police station right now. Hetty took one look at Beatrice's stern face and scowled. But she did exactly as Beatrice commanded, put it pouting the entire way to the police station. As Angela turned into the parking lot, she noticed Mackie pulling into a parking spot and getting out of his unmarked police car with Coda at his heels. "'Guess who we found?' she called out to him, hopping out of her car and almost slipping on a patch of ice. "'You're a missing person!' Mackie eyed the back seat of Angela's car. "'Hetty Cabot!' Angela opened the back door of her car. "'Meet my son, Detective Mackie Donovan!' Hetty didn't move. Mackie glanced at his mother skeptically. She's right in there, Mackie. You might have to go in and get her. She's a little freaked out right now, Angela remarked. Mackie stepped over to the car and peered inside. Out of the car, he barked. Hetty stepped out of Angela's car, shivering. I'll take it from here, Mom, Mackie told his mother. Good, thank you. Beatrice and I should be going, replied Angela. Where to, Mom? Mackie painstakingly eyed his mother. If I tell you, you'll have to come with me, said Angela with a glimmer in her eyes. Oh, all right. Mackie reluctantly took the bait. Wait here a minute. I've got to run Hetty into the station. I'll be right back. Angela grinned. She was pretty sure that on her way over to the police station, she'd figured out who the culprit was. It wasn't Carlton Montreal, as Melinda had suspected. It wasn't Hetty Cabot, as Angela and Beatrice had first suspected. And it wasn't Rhonda, as Hetty Cabot had suspected. It was someone no one had suspected. Five minutes later, Mackie met his mother outside the precinct. So where are we going, Mom? Half an hour later... Angela pulled onto a winding driveway. She drove up to a large colonial house and parked her car right out front. Every window belonging to the house was black. Not even a light lit the front steps. I hope I'm not too late, she chided herself. Climbing up the steps, Angela knocked on the front door. No answer. Angela banged harder. Still no answer. The third time, Angela pounded with her fist. Finally, the door opened a sliver and Melinda appeared on the other side, her face worn, tired, scared. "'Melinda,' Angela said alarmingly, "'you look terrible.' "'I just found out some rather earth-shattering news,' Melinda said without opening the door an eighth of an inch. "'About your son?' Angela inquired. Melinda's eyes clouded over. "'About my son? What are you talking about, Angela?' Angela took a step forward, forcing Melinda to open the door for her. "'Your son is the one we've been looking for, isn't he?' Melinda. Melinda gasped. As the door was yanked open from the inside and a rough hand pulled Angela into the house. What do you know about our son? Carlton yelled at Angela, forgetting his front door was still wide open. Carlton, Melinda's voice shook. Not so loud, the neighbors. I know that he was close to Howard, Angela calmly answered Carlton. Melinda mentioned that this morning, and I know that he was protective of his mother. I saw that when I first introduced myself. But now I wonder if Howie took it upon himself to speak to Howard about the feud concerning the night he was born. How do you know about the night I was born? Howie stepped out from the shadows behind Carlton. Howie, don't say another word, Carlton shouted. You thought you could speak to Howard, didn't you? Angela kindly asked. Howie cleared his throat, his face ashen. I just wanted to talk to him. I honestly thought I could convince Howard to stay away from my mother. 
how he broke down collapsing to the floor. But he wouldn't listen to me. In fact, he laughed when I approached him, so I decided I would take it to Dad. But on my way out, I went to Purdy's desk to leave her a note about having lunch later this week, and I saw Mom's name written in the appointment book. Howie sobbed. Melinda's eyes began to tear up. Last week, Howie overheard me speaking to my friend on the phone. I told her that I was meeting with Howard this week to discuss a way out of this feud. She glanced at Carlton. Howie interpreted that to mean I was leaving you for Howard. Carlton slammed his fist into the wall. That's absurd. But I was going to tell Howard this morning that I planned to publish a story in the newspaper about what he did for us the night Howie was born. That way you could finally be free, Carlton. But Howie misread my intentions. He went to see Howard before I could. Howard wouldn't listen. Melinda's voice broke. Carlton's eyes blazed. You've told her too much, Melinda. Now she has to come with us. Melinda started weeping, but Angela planted her feet. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, yes, you are. As Carlton reached forward to grab Angela a second time, sirens blared with bright lights flashing right outside his house. Carlton had been too upset to notice the patrol cars lining his driveway. Angela grinned in relief. Even though she'd known that Mackie was nearby the whole time, Carlton had made her a little nervous when he'd pulled her into the house. It was wonderful having a detective for a son. So what happened after that, Mom? asked Drew, her face taking in every detail of her mother's story. The next evening at Daisy's, once Everly Rose had been tucked into bed. Your brother arrested Howie on the spot, devastating Melinda and infuriating Carlton. I will definitely be keeping that family in my prayers, Angela paused. But the way your brother stepped out of the bushes, it was great. Drew, Daisy, Bennett, and Mackie all chuckled at Angela's enthusiasm. She was one in a million. One in seven billion, actually. And they weren't about to trade her for the world. This is Tiffany Pullman, and you've been listening to Corkboard Radio. I'm so happy you tuned in today. The Corkboard Radio podcast features my personal short stories and topic discussions. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Tiff's Corkboard, on Instagram at Tiff's Corkboard, and on Twitter at Tiff's Corkboard, where I will be sharing weekly updates on podcast episodes and posting about anything that inspires me. I will be uploading a new Corkboard Radio episode every Wednesday, so be sure to stay tuned and hit the subscribe button. Until we meet again, here's to shining his light in whatever we do.